The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that results from listening to this podcast. podcast i'm nathaniel darkish and this is max george holy shit he's after me and he's got a knife and the worst part the worst part is you teach your podcast about slashers and you still walk down a dark alley alone honestly this sounds like a friday night i mean yeah it does (laughs) for us yes that is just uh i was gonna say walk in the park but no it's a walk in a dark alley alone all right, well, uh, we are uh, talking one of the newer horror movies recently. Uh, it did take us a little bit longer than ideal to actually uh, get this one on the books, but we are talking Scream 6. So I feel like the the delay has been my fault. I decided to do something crazy and buy a house. Yes. So I am now a full-functioning adult in society, and... It is exhausting. <laughs> uh, it seems exhausting. I am not at that point, despite my best efforts. Uh, but yeah, no, that's freaking awesome. And uh, yeah, that that definitely has put a, a little bit of a slowdown on, on our recording schedule and our going to Evil Dead Rise Together schedule. But hey, <laughs> now we can say that we've done both of those things. All of the things have been accomplished. It's been an awesome, exciting time. There's just so much. You know, I I remember Sokotoa and how to calculate angles in different types of triangles, but the house buying process still confuses me. So way to go, educational system. I mean, to be fair, I think it confuses most people who work in that, that <laughs> profession honestly well um i mean I, i'm sure i haven't uh helped our schedule at all with it being towards the end of the school year and you know me dealing with all of the, the fun stuff with that so uh you know have eight million things coming up which will probably delay our, our next batch for <laughs> when we talk uh evil dead rise probably with our next episode fingers crossed um because we watched that together just barely and i have thoughts but we're not talking about that one today we are talking scream six i had this secret there's a darkness inside of me it followed me here and it's gonna keep coming for us We share a certain history. This isn't like any other ghost face. What is this place? A shrine. We've got to lure him in. We execute him. Hello? Let's play a game. You know you're like the 10th guy to try this, right? It never works out for the dipshit in the mask. Maybe, but there's never been one like me, Gail. So, I guess I could give us just a little bit of the the basic, you know, who made this movie info. Uh, it was directed by Matt Bettelini Olfen and Tyler Gillette, I think, or maybe Gillett. I do not know how to pronounce his last name. And then written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick which I believe is just the same team that made uh, Scream uh, 5. But, you know, not Scream 5, just Scream. Again. <laughs> I still have feelings about that, but uh, you've already heard me share those previously, and it was kind of part of the plot, but still, regardless, 
it's hard to talk about Scream 5 without just calling it Scream 5. Well, and I think when I think about the Scream franchise, of course, they... The irony is, right, that they always kind of follow the same pattern, but then they change the flavor or the spices or the environment. It, it really, at its core, is the same film, which maybe is a testament to how like long-lasting it is and how great the Scream franchise really is. And I guess all I'm saying is you don't need to have a ton of background, I think, for Scream 5, Scream 4, Scream 3. To really have a good time in this film though the more you know you know the the better i think this this film does land in terms of how it's kind of playing off of the idea of the legacy and the the killers that came before and all that and in a way that's probably a little bit more direct than a lot of the previous other films which i mean none of them have have ignored what came before by any means but this one definitely, you know, has a, a mystery that's playing with that idea, which is, is a lot of fun. Um, yes, I fully agree. But I, I did see this film with my sister, who hasn't seen a single Scream episode, and she had just as much fun as those of us who had seen all of the Scream franchises. So yeah. I, I, I do think it has kind of this lasting power that Scream really has captured in a bottle. Yeah, Scream is really one of those horror series, one of uh, a very small handful of horror series that really hasn't delivered anything bad. Um, you know, yes, Scream 3 is, is a weak point, and we've talked about that ad nauseum when we <laughs> talked about the previous film, but the like at its core, yeah, Scream is really by far one of the strongest horror franchises. And... I really enjoy how this one kind of brings a lot of familiar to the table, uh, but also has a lot of really fun, unique things for this film in particular, outside of just, you know, the basics of, hey, it's Scream, but in New York. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, like, why is that always New York specifically? Why not Albuquerque, New Mexico? I mean, yeah, <laughs> clearly people love that Albuquerque after the hit 1990 song Albuquerque by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> as I'm just well as I'm a, Breaking Bad. I'm agreeing with you because it is always it's New York, it's Los Angeles, it's Chicago, whatever. I want to see a high caliber horror set in like, you know, Beantown. I mean, Beantown's another name for Chicago, but for example. <laughs> uh, but like Kanab, Utah. Let's go there. There's some darkness in Kanab, I bet. I mean, well, <laughs> and and that's the thing is that like it's always like either small town that they kind of make up their own, or it's like you know the Big Apple, and it's like nothing <laughs> in between, right? Like even even running into Chicago or Boston or you know all of these other kind of major American cities. LA being ex uh, the only kind of notable exception, like this is the the destination. Like you know, freaking Jason has gone to to New York. You know, th this is the the go to place where you know eventually you you have your your franchise go to New York and also space. And I I for one am looking forward to screaming space. <laughs> but but I. I don't know. I've just I've never understood like why it has to be New York City specifically. I know it's you know obviously a really cool iconic city, but there is so many other like really interesting places that might offer something we haven't seen before. I don't know. Yeah, I mean Nathaniel, have you been to New York City before? I have not. I've been a few times, you know, with work events or. Uh passing through different places and i mean it's it has so much nostalgia and culture and you know it is the city of the united states but after about two days in the city i'm ready to go sorry all my new york listeners uh i i would really appreciate in the same vein where we have a lot of different possession movies out there that they tackle different cultured like demonic possession 
why not expand a little bit? Let's go see possession in the Midwest or a poltergeist in the South. Like, let's let's mix it up a bit. I think. Yeah, I I agree. And you know, even though I really liked this movie and and its uh, setting, I thought it worked really in in some interesting ways for this series in particular. I I would love to see a bigger mix up just for the sake of being a horror fan who I've seen the horror movies in in New York there's 800,000 of them um okay well setting aside let's just kind of dig into like what we liked about this movie right so right off the bat this movie is way more brutal than most other <laughs> scream movies and yeah. it, it was in a, in a way that actually really worked for the film and for the storytelling and all of that yeah, I think the best thing that this screen did is it took a lot of the great elements of its predecessor, but then also harkened back to a lot of the real terror and grit of the entire franchise and really seemed to marry those quite well. The the kills, the slasher components, they were pretty solid. I mean, there's a scene where poor lady is crawling across a ladder in an oh, alleyway. And Ghostface at the time, who we don't know, is shaking the ladder up and down, which in my puny world mind view, I thought, well, duh, that is what someone would do if they were trying to kill someone crossing a ladder in between the alley. And it's really intense. The terror is pretty high velocity, and she ultimately falls off the ladder, and you watch the whole gritty fall into a dumpster. Yeah. And that is, that's like first third of the film. And I, I worry sometimes with slashers. We all know how Max feels about slashers and the immortality of the slasher gods. But what this movie, I felt, did really well is they came out kicking and they kept kicking throughout the entire film. Yes. Oftentimes with slashers, we get some big gore, some big scare right in the beginning, and then they take a piss for the rest of the movie. And don't really get any more scary until the very end, if that. But mm-hmm. Scream 6 in particular, I think, does it very well. The terror runs throughout. There's the camp moments. There's the comedy. All of that. But really, Ghostface is a threat in this film. Um, I'm even thinking of the Tienda scene where he comes in and just like picks up a fucking shotgun and is like blasting apart the, the chip aisle and the cookie aisle and... We haven't really seen that from Ghostface before. I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I. It, it's funny because I I know, online you know when when you kind of see that in some of the uh, trailers, uh, you know there was a lot of kind of uh, pushback against that. You know what? You know Ghostface uses a, a knife. He doesn't. You know he isn't using guns, which really isn't that true one uh we we actually see mo- many ghost faces use guns at different points as well it's usually just the, you know not while they are in full garb it's usually more once they've revealed themselves they bust out the guns um but i i loved it be- that element because yeah like in this case he- he's gonna do whatever works um and uh, i mean i guess he or she there there are uh what four ghost faces in this movie uh setting new records for this series um and and yeah like all of them are really just doing whatever will be most brutal most uh effective and i think that's actually kind of more true to kind of what scream is in terms of being more grounded in in reality than a lot of these other slashers to a certain extent and and all that and so i liked that i i thought it made it scarier because it wasn't just like oh well as long as they're out of reach of a knife they're gonna be okay until the final you know sequence no no like freaking people are getting wasted you know from uh shotgun blasts to the face left and right um Yes, there's stabbing, but there's also, yeah, all of these other kills that are very uh, effective and, and really kind of get under your skin. Um, along those lines, another scene that I really loved uh, was the, the subway scene where it is kind of playing with the... 
Or I guess, okay, going back to this new setting, one thing I really liked about this movie is that that really kind of sets this apart from a lot of the other ones is we don't have the threat just being basically uh, our heroes and the killers, and that's it. Like, there are huge crowds, and people are just trying to ignore the freaks with the costumes and stuff like that, especially with it being set around Halloween. But, like, you know, people are doing horrifying things on the subways, and that's just New York because there's 8 million people, you know, cramming themselves into these subway tunnels. So, of course, weird stuff happens. You just try to ignore it and get on with your commute. And so I found that that was very true as well of, like, the subway scene where, you know, someone is terrified, they have been drugged, it's really trippy, and it's dark, and it's, you know, uh, very uh, upsetting. And, And then we have, you know, a character gets stabbed on the subway, and, like, no one notices for a while. Well, I, I would add to that too, Nathaniel, that the cinematography of that subway scene really was pretty unnerving and mm-hmm. crazy. It wasn't just that someone gets slashed on the subway, these like passing lights back and forth and kind of reflecting on this Halloween party that's going on in the city and some people are dressed up as Ghostface. So you don't know who the actual killer is. And then the lights kind of turn red and blue because they're underground, of course. And it's flashing and it's almost strobe-like. And you just don't know who is who, who to trust. And it it's just, it's this awesome mind game that I thought was executed really well. In my opinion, that subway scene was the scariest part of the film by far. I, I agree. Um, everything else was pretty intense, it's pretty gritty, of course, but it's set up in these kind of predictable scenarios where you know people are going to die, you know people are going to have a knife fight or a gunfight or whatever, and that subway scene, I think, just really captured something that we haven't seen yet for cinema. <laughs> I, I definitely agree. I, I feel like it was one of those things where it really kind of brought me in as an audience member i felt just as disoriented as the character just as kind of scared in that moment as the character like though i love this series it doesn't scare me very often um that scene was one of the definitely not you know not not just for this film i'd say that was one of the best standout scary moments uh anywhere in this entire series it, that is uh, just a genuinely like well-crafted, really uh, immersive scare. Especially, you know, watching it in a theater that's dark and it's just really just kind of pulls you into that moment of of intensity. And you know, you're, you you know, there's a threat, but you don't know where it is. You don't know uh, what angle it's going to come from. And it's it's just so uh, just so well done. Yeah, just visually. Uh, the the sound cues were also just as disorienting. The acting was good in that scene. Just everything about that scene absolutely slapped. That that was that was a uh, highlight of the series for me, honestly. Another thing that I just adored um, is I am a sucker for a conjoined universe or a meta universe. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big reason why I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe so much is each story is its own story, but there's always a connection to kind of the bigger story, right? Mm -hmm. I love those Easter eggs. I do it in my own D&D writing. I think it's so fun, and it creates a sense of unity. So this film, they kind of harken back to all of these previous Ghostface killers and the masks that they used. And in a way, this also was really creepy and terrifying and up to the risk factor quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the original Ghostface mask that's kind of deteriorating and falling apart is just, I don't know, it was this nostalgic bomb, but at the same time scared you 
and brought something new to the franchise. Again, another reason I love Scream so much is they're always trying to push the boundaries and do something different for us. So this also led to like the, the penultimate scene where they go to this ghost face memorial center and you see artifacts from all of the movies and screenplay and um uh what are the word uh drawings of the scenes yeah yeah well yeah it and 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 what i like is that it is this this shrine to yeah all of the ghost faces uh across all of the films in the series as well as a lot of stuff referencing the you know, in-universe stab movies. It's all there. You know, there's the mask of every killer. And what I liked is, like, one, that's, like, a really cool set piece and, and, you know, made it for some, like, really interesting fights uh, between the heroes and the villains that was really kind of fun and dynamic and they, you know, couldn't just rely on running around a house. You know, they had lots of props that they could work with and, and try to, you know, use to fight back or, or you know, would be new threats against them. Um, but also, like, it, it that was really paying off everything that came before, right? You know, every time there's a kill all the way through this movie, you know, the, the mask gets left, which is also a weird thing for Ghostface to do, right? You know, they, they wear their mask as they're escaping. In, in this case, the, you know, a, a kill is, is, is done, and then they're leaving the masks, and each one has a different killer's DNA in it. Um, so cool, because, you know, then it uh, feels like this weird mystery that you're like, wait, like, okay, so who is this? How far back does this go? You know, is this tied to, to something from the earlier films? You know, it ended up being kind of all tied to, to, to you know, Scream 5 more than anything else. But the ways that it kind of had all of these fun visual cues to things uh, across the entire series, especially, yeah, the really old, grody uh, ghost face masks, which look real cool in, in those, you know, scary uh, attack sequences. But... It, it also just you know kind of created this opportunity where we kind of see the whole series on display as how the the villains are interacting with our heroes uh in a really interesting way um but yeah like the the mystery was much more present in this film in in a way that felt weird and trippy and and kind of i didn't know what to expect for most of it yeah, I think you've alluded to this as well, that the number of killers also made for a fun, nice change. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast, I mean, there were some pros and cons to the cast that we can talk about. Um, again, when the metaverse kind of comes into the world, I love a good legacy character and how they interact with the film. This iteration, iteration, however the word is pronounced, Maxis had some alcohol. <laughs> um, I, I felt was kind of a side piece to the actual plot of the story, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Kirby come back, which was delightful. I love Kirby. Yeah, um, she, she was definitely one of my favorite characters in four. Yes, which and, and, is and still in, an underrated gem of the series. And in this, she was totally kick ass and kind of lived by her own e and. Just really kind of freshened up this cast that we got from the previous film that were, you know, all traumatized and dealing with this in their different ways and yada yada yada. But Kirby is there, so it's gonna be okay. Kirby knows what's happening. Uh, it, it was fun. Um, I also really liked, you know, whenever we talk about the Scream franchise, the directors and the writers always have this idea of flipping the script on itself mm-hmm. and turning the movie into this meta kind of treaty on horror movies in general and for me i was picking up a lot of cues about the anti-movie that this is you know the sixth installment in the scream franchise and the villain's motivations were you know to finish their child's original movie and all of these other scream movies were just kind of puppets in the real story of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And our um, exposition character, I can't quite recall their name, 
was talking about this a lot as well that they're now entering a franchise it's not a sequel it's not a prequel it's a franchise so who the hell knows what's gonna happen by exposition character you meant mindy correct uh, one of the twins right so I, i i love scream so much for that because I took my sister, she has not seen any of the other screams, and the best advice I could give her is, it's a horror movie talking about horror movies. And she didn't quite understand that when we went into the film, but at the end of it, she was like, oh yeah, totally, I get it, this is awesome. And that's what Scream does best. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it creates both a lot of humor and heart and also, yeah, some like genuinely like great scares and interesting discussion about like what is horror and how does it work and how does it change over time and all of that um and along those lines like i i really did like how the cast from scream 5 kind of developed and had grown from the previous film in interesting ways i really liked that kind of core cast a lot in this movie like i felt like in the previous movie they were fine, but it was you know you spend the whole time kind of comparing them to the previous movies' uh, characters and try, kind of you know not letting them kind of breathe and be their own characters. In this one, I did feel like they were much more cropped in. Um, I'll kind of talk about some of the other characters uh, a little bit later on in the podcast, but <laughs> that kind of core cast. Uh, what did they call themselves? Uh, you know, so it's the the Carpenter sisters and the Meeks Martin twins. Are kind of the the four I'm I'm mostly referring to. Plus, of course, you know Gale in the mix. Um, what do they call it? Like the core four? Wasn't wasn't that what they were calling themselves in this? Yeah, I believe so. Which made me laugh because at one point in high school, me and my girlfriend at the time, and you and your wife now called ourselves the core four. <laughs> or no, 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 we were the uh, elite six because we were, it was also. Oh, that's fun. that is right. That's right. Like like uh the pokemon elite four but yeah yeah um we didn't have serial killers chasing after us but it was still a good time at least not that we know um maybe they were maybe that explains a lot about me that really does um (laughs) uh some other moments i want to talk about in this movie that i really enjoyed uh, would just be one. The cold open was a lot of fun. I mean, scream cold opens are usually a blast. Uh, I I especially liked this one because it had so many kind of layers of of uh, twists to that. Like you know, I love that you know we get this uh, uh, samurai weaving character who I mean, one you know samurai weaving already you know huge fan of of her from all of her you know movies that she's a just a kick awesome scream queen. Uh, especially ready or not but then you know she's this like film professor who teaches about horror movies and she's just trying to go on a date and then ends up you know getting killed by surprise one of her students wearing a ghost face mask and uh you know you know and and that was was fun in and of itself but then that wasn't really the cold open kill though the real cold open kill was then that the student who killed her gets killed and how that all played out and us kind of saying hey there are ghost faces that are basically orchestrating other ghost faces that really kind of grabs you in ways that a few other cold opens ever quite do um and so it was awesome and fun and you know it was it was great to see some actors that i enjoy in interesting roles but then have kind of some twists and turns right from the 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 drop well and and two again i can't reiterate this enough scream is so good at taking something that we're all familiar with and then a bitch and saying like "Mm, nope just kidding um they they did it through all of the other films you know sometimes it worked better than others this cold open when it first started I was like, wait, what? They're they're killing it right away? This feels weird. What's going on? And then it was this, you know, film student kind of getting at their teacher and they kind of revealed it all very quickly. And again, I was just like, I 
don't get this. Why are they going this direction? And then, bam, all of a sudden, we find out that, you know, there's a real killer that we're not going to find out right off the bat. And so it was like this double-take, crazy attack on the idea. And it it is hard to have a franchise, especially a horror franchise. And Scream just keeps delivering, especially the last three films, in ways that keep us surprised, engaged, on our toes. I, they do a good job. Tamara Weaving, you are a horror icon. We love you. Please be on our podcast. Oh, I would die. Um, in the best conceivable way. Yes, please, please, please. You would die. I would do necromancy. We'd be fine. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. I just got some graveyard dirt from my local occult store, ready to go. Why not just go to a graveyard and get your own dirt? Because that sounds sketchy, and I want to buy my graveyard dirt from respectable businesses. <laughs> the irony saying. of my vanilla occult life, Nathaniel. Don't <laughs> don't think about it too hard. <laughs> and definitely don't make fun of it too much. Um... <laughs> I'm just saying, there's graveyards freaking all over the place. You just grab some dirt. But then I would feel bad about it, because who is poor, you know, Ethel Von Wagner's dirt that I'm stealing? If Witchfire Moonbeam does it for me, then I'd feel definitely less bad. It's dirt. It's how I sleep at night. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we also just talk about one more little moment? Always just when uh, when we have you know all of the ghost faces revealed in our oh. confrontation when when they all clean their blades at the same time. Oh, that moment! Right. Like the whole crowd. I remember when we saw that in theaters. Everyone was just like, <gasps> "Yeah, part of my fringe." <coughs> that was. Fucking awesome. <laughs> horror horror moment to the max. Just like this iconic scene that we've seen throughout the years all at once. Ugh. It was awesome. Yeah, it freaking slapped. Um is there it freaking stuff? freaking slashed. There we see go. What I, see what I did there? Yes, yes I do, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Oh, thanks. Pop off, sis. That's what <laughs> the kids are saying. Is it? I, I teach high schoolers, and I've never heard that before in my life. I think it's from Fortnite. Don't quote me on that. People still play Fortnite? Yeah, I love Fortnite now. Oh, so, so once all of the teens abandoned it. Yeah, it's a very much a, a Facebook situation. Ah, uh, okay. You're Let's just get... an old... Let's get back on the subway <laughs> to New York. Okay, uh, was there other <laughs> stuff that you wanted to talk about as far as things that really worked in this movie? Um, I do have to give credit to the acting. I think oh, yeah. everyone showed up in phenomenal ways, especially the Queen of the Night right now. Um, Jenna Ortega? Yes, my gosh. I just finished White Lotus, and I wanted to say Jennifer Coolidge, and I knew that that was not the right person. Definitely not. No, those are very, very different people. <laughs> Lord have mercy on my soul. Um, she does so good, and she plays spooky fun in the best way, and she needs so much more credit than she has, I think. I don't know. She She's kind of going through a time where she is on all of the pedestals and deserves it because she's freaking rad she love her be yes. on our podcast yeah i mean really anyone in any scream movie or anything like that <laughs> please just be on our podcast it'll be freaking rad but well good time we'll be friends yes um let's maybe dive into a few of the things that didn't work yeah um so First, Everybody gets accepted to New York University? <laughs> yeah, every everyone. No no problems whatsoever. They're all at the same university together on a on the other side of the country. No one had any problems getting in. It was great. Everyone's living in New York together. Every 
important character. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a pill to swallow, I will admit. I mean, I, I'm willing to swallow it because I felt like it was worth it for the journey, but it, that does always kind of irk me a little bit, just the whole time I'm like, ah, but none of this should really be happening because, let's be real, that's just rarely how life ever works. Uh, I think it's one of those things where it's fine in theory, but then when you're sitting there watching it, it starts to kind of just... Uh, I don't know. It... it, like, grates on you over the course of the movie. Yeah, because who in the world has done that, you know? Even you and I, best friends for years, I think we're coming up on, like, two decades of friendship. Mm-hmm. We went to different colleges not because we didn't want to go to the same college but that's just kind of how life goes and so i it's fine because it's a movie but it's a little unrealistic which is sad because in world of screen they try and pull the realism pretty tight so yeah well and and I, i will say it isn't even just that they're all in new york but it's also that like most of them are living together yeah. And they're always just together. And you're like, okay, yes, but also New York is a tremendously huge city, and most of the characters are in college, and so it's hard to have all of schedules working out quite as neatly as all of this. And I don't just like, it was everything, all of the stars lined up real nicely for all of these characters in, in really convenient ways. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And along those lines, similar kind of thing with uh, how kind of our, our final act twist sort of plays out. A lot of it is that the bad guys, and and again, it's Scream. They hang a lantern on it. They make a joke about it. But, like, they, too, have, have too perfectly ingratiated themselves into the lives of all of our heroes. Uh, it was flawless in a, in a you know city with millions of people. They had zero problems getting close to this specific group of people. Well, and like there was no no thinking to people. I just nowadays to get a roommate is a pretty complicated process. There's a lot of background checks and everything. And these girls who were in the previous film, I feel like would have taken that pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, yeah, you can come live in our apartment. It's fine. We don't know a whole lot about you, but we used a fake Craigslist ad, so we're fine. It, yeah. it just was kind of <clears throat> hokey. Hokey, hokey, hokey. Yeah, yeah. And that these two siblings who don't look anything like each other conveniently, <laughs> or anything like their brother who was the villain from the previous film... Or their dad, who also doesn't really look like any of them. They're all involved. There's no red flags whatsoever. There's no point that they accidentally kind of reveal any information about knowing each other or having any inside jokes or history together at all. And also, conveniently, these two siblings have have managed to ingratiate themselves to both sides of the the group. You know, one is, you know, roommate with, with... uh, one batch of, of, of our team, one's a you know, roommate with, with another person, no problems. Um, and, and like their motivations and stuff, okay, so this is a cop, and he's doing all this to because he's mad that his son got killed. Like, in some ways that worked, right? Like, in terms of just access to, to things that he shouldn't be able to get his hands on. Yeah, that that happens all the times with 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 uh, law enforcement, um, and you know a lot of things work out because this character's a, a cop. This villain's a cop. Okay, that's I'm okay with that, but also it just I don't know it it, it pushed all of my um, suspended disbelief just a little bit too far outside of uh, its box of my suspended disbelief thresholds. Well, and it's it's weird, too, because, you know, even if they have accomplished this task of infiltrating these two friend groups, 
it's another kind of component and layer of absurdity because they would have to these friends that they're infiltrating have to be chill with them coming in you know what if my roommate and i get this guy and he's kind of a dick and i don't like him and the plan is foiled and this guy has to figure it out another way um it just was was too easy yeah and and also like it's not like these characters seem to have that much in common with our core group like you know one of them is just you know has a different guy over every night and is just kind of like the info yeah exactly and so like she doesn't seem like she would be someone that i personally would love having as a roommate because you know especially when you're trying to study you don't want those sounds coming from the next room constantly um you know and then I don't know, just like there there was a kind of a lack of commonality and they're like, we're friends because we're roommates. No. <laughs> I, I've had a lot of roommates that I wasn't friends with or, you know, I was warm acquaintance with, is with at best. And I also had some roommates that I hated their guts and frankly would not care if they were my roommate. If I was in a life or death situation, they'd get locked out. So Yeah, so I, I, again, I think... A lot of kind of these micro moments of the film did not execute as well as more of the macro plot that was going on. Yeah. Um, I'd like to use micro and macro when I critique horror movies a lot lately because it helps me appreciate the good of the film, but then also leave some space for what I think could be better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a critic approaching this film, a lot of these minutiae kind of were silly and gross but they didn't affect the overall macro film, and so I'm okay with it, you know? But that doesn't mean I can't gripe about it. People can hold space for two opinions. Yeah. Um, Along those lines, uh, you know, so we didn't have that many new characters in this film, which, again, weird (laughs) considering that this is on the other side of the country. Um, But yeah, so so we only have a a kind of a handful of, of other characters. Most of them are villains, it turns out. Uh, and are kind of cartoonish in various ways, which was a little bit weird because you know our main core group have been really fleshed out. They feel really strong as characters, and then we have these new characters, and all of them kind of feel cartoony. And so it's kind of hard to care about them as as they're either getting killed or turned out to be the the villains. Um, and so that was definitely a, a weakness because I usually you know look at a scream film and go like oh well like i really like this new character and this new character uh there there wasn't really anyone left to like other than sam's boyfriend i guess everyone else is dead um or was the villain and then is dead um so it was kind of weird because it really didn't build onto the potential cast at all like most scream films do and yeah the the characters did I just I did I wasn't emotionally invested in any of the other characters really. If I haven't seen them in a scream film before, I kind of didn't care if they lived or died. Yeah, really. In the two main characters too, Jenna Ortega, I felt like had a much more compelling progression in her story. Mm-hmm. The sister, though, towards the end, I still don't quite understand what they're doing. Where she's the heir to the first ghost face and because she's his daughter she's inherited this bloodlust like sure we could get into the the discussion of nature versus nurture but it's not like some i don't know some seed that gets passed on from father to child um yeah don't know where they're going with that and i'm okay that i don't know where they're going with that I just want some direction. At the end of the film, she picks up the ghost face. She ultimately kind of throws it away right at the end. But they're alluding to, like, something nefarious and malicious is about to happen with her. Yeah. And it it just kind of undermines the screen. The heroes are the heroes, unless they're, of course, Facade is the villain. But the the heroes are the heroes! Let it be that! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like they they really, really want us to think that she's going to turn into a villain in one of the next movies. And I think then, because it's Scream, they're going to, you know, 
do a, a fake out and you know the whole time we're gonna think that Sam Carpenter is gonna be the villain and and scream eight, but then it'll be Tara. Just to I don't know, like it it feels like they're they're forcing it a little bit too hard in a way that just kind of feels weird for the series. I don't know. It, it again, I I love this movie, but they are doing some stuff and setting up some stuff that I just don't really feel like works for me as a very big fan of this series. Um, other things that, again, I had to suspend my disbelief a little bit too much. With the level of brutality of the killings and all of that, no main character died. Yeah! Again. And it was gritty, it was intense. I don't know, I have this new pet peeve of mine where movies like Scream or even the Marvel Universe where they, hell, even the Star Wars sequels where they think someone's dead and then they're not and i just i'm tired of it kill them or don't kill them you know the uh the emotional risk of having one of your main characters die makes me much more invested in what's going on especially if it's a character that i like mm. you know for example if chewbacca really had died in that last star wars film I would have been livid and hated Kylo Ren and his boys far more than I did once I found out it was like a, oh, psych, we can't kill Chewbacca because he's invincible. I don't know. It, I'm getting tired of it. Kill your characters or don't. Yeah, and like I will give it that like this is pretty much the only Scream movie that hasn't killed off a major character. Um, and so I'll, I'll give it that. Like, that yeah. in and of itself was kind of a twist, but it also just, again, I, I, I've been fed too many things that are kind of outside my uh, usual suspended disbelief that that on top of everything else, I was just like, this just feels really forced, guys. Like, Gail and the twins both are all pulled through just fine after getting stabbed. Mm. Um okay, the Carpenter sisters are both fine, you know, minor wounds. It just, I don't know, it just felt like the, the end of, of Scream 5 again. Um, uh, the the last thing that I, I have as kind of a, a big critique of this one is that, so the, a lot of the plot kind of hinges on this idea that people are continually pointing to Sam as this like oh no she was the real killer in scream 5 you know that that like uh, they, the like the internet conspiracy or whatever yes and i i <laughs> on on one side i appreciate what they're doing they're making some some good critique of things like qAnon and how people will believe anything if it's on the internet and all of that like i get it it was a little bit too much on the nose how they presented it you know, it's like, oh, hey, random people on the street will just come up and scream at her now. And I'm like, I mean, okay, yes, that sometimes does happen to people. But there was just a little bit too much of that. And, every and, and like, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where maybe it is, in fact, pretty grounded in reality. Because apparently people actually need real evidence. Uh, no, they don't. they don't. They don't need any real evidence to believe any nonsense on the internet hence all of the QAnon stuff but it just I don't know in my in my writing and and consumer of of storytelling brain it felt a little too easy uh and also just a little bit too on the nose in terms of satire yeah I I think it's important that we talk about this kind of bullcrap that happens in the world. QAnon.com, you know, Dream King's podcast does not support the conspiracy theories found on that website. Uh, it's, uh, it's on 8chan is the website. Uh, regardless, uh, we believe in science and facts and, you know, good things. So yeah. I, I understand that it's kind of a, a pandemic, epidemic, 
whatever word we want to use in the United States right now, where you get one tidbit of information and then all of a sudden understand cosmos in a way that other people can. Whether that is a religious side point, environmental with climate change, we landed on the moon, whatever, whatever. But there is usually a progression. There is, you know, they want to call it evidence. It's not evidence, but they want to call it evidence. And it kind of goes through a process. This film, it was just like a few ornery people on TikTok started this. And it exploded to strangers throwing like a milkshake at her in the park. It just... It... It went from like a 30 miles an hour to 120 real quick. Yeah, and like, okay, yes, I, I buy that the villains, this was part of their whole scheme and stuff, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, it was just, it, it was a bit much. Um, though, going back to you listing conspiracy theories, wait, so so you, you mentioned the, the moon landing is a conspiracy theory, and the conspiracy there is that the moon exists, right? Because you don't believe in the moon, do you? I I actually believe that the moon is a flat disk and oh, the earth is flat, flat moon. and we're actually not rotating and the moon isn't rotating either, but the flat earth rotating makes the moon appear. It's just like an ornament in the fucking space time. Oh, don't get started. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't even have a moment of satire because i hate conspiracy theories so much they are a lot um so uh how do you rate uh scream six uh in terms of screams um as far as screams go it is gritty it's intense but it's a slasher film so a lot of the like the terror and the screams are, are rooted in that serial killer kind of motif uh, so I give it a five. Okay, uh, I give it a six. I I think really, it being higher than a five is really just boils down to the subway scene and the ladder scene. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, I I'll say scarier than most uh scream movies, but probably scarier than all other scream movies, frankly. But at the end of the day. Slashers don't really scare me that much. However, uh, let's talk about uh, crowns uh, as far as ratings go. Uh, I give this movie an 8. I really, really enjoy it in spite of its somewhat glaring flaws. Yeah, I think sometimes when we're critiquing films, people kind of hear our critiques and and think we hate the film, right? Or we have yeah. a terrible time watching the film. Well, my partner and I have gotten into conversations about that where I'll point out some things that I really didn't like and he's like, well, did you like the film at all? Like, well, yeah, I had a blast watching the film. And so with that in mind, I gave it a, a seven. I, mm. I think it's a really fun film. I want to own this, a physical copy. Um, I recommended it to a lot of people who want a good horror film. But again, it, it can be a fun horror experience and not be perfect, and that's okay. Yep. Yeah, that's that's definitely how I feel as well. Um, so, Max, how are you staying spooky? Oh my gosh, so many things. Um, some simple ones real quick is I've started rewatching the Attack on Titan anime. I had watched the first season a long time ago when it first came out. And I had forgotten nearly all of it really enjoying it if you want a gritty bloody slasher hack and slash kind of a an anime this one does a very good job and then i also have been binging a podcast called the hidden podcast um this is a reporter and her criminal psychologist husband kind of dissecting modern day true crime events um, I, I love true crime, but sometimes we get stuck in the 60s, 70s, and 80s because that's when the world was really killing everybody. <laughs> I blame um, all of the lead paint and asbestos. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but one of the stories they're doing is very near and dear to us Utahns and Idahoans and Arizonans, which is the Lori Fallow and Chad Daybell case. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they are kind of diving into the trial and a lot of new evidence that's being pulled out. And then also, because he's a criminal psychologist, he's trying to kind of psychoanalyze their childhoods and the methods of how they could have gotten to what they got. And it's open a rabbit hole. I've been obsessed with this trial for the last two weeks. Hmm. It's it's nice to put it on while I'm packing because I gasp and <gasps> no, oh my gosh, as I'm packing and duct taping boxes, which makes the process a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the real the real horror is the just the experience of moving because uh, moving is probably my least favorite thing ever. Uh, so I'm glad that that you have some good horror to help you uh, get through that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't mind moving. It's kind of the, all the organization. Like, okay, we have to have everything done by this day and then take it all and move it by the next day. And that and my project manager brain struggle with. So, because things don't ever go the way they should. Oh, yeah, no. Everything breaks and nothing works how, how it's supposed to. The last thing I really want to push hard for me staying spooky is a Netflix film called I See You. Which Um, I watched last night. The less you know, the better. Yes. And I was blown away with this film. It went places I had no idea. It's not perfect. But for me, best horror film of 2023 that I've seen so far. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, uh, like I said, I watched that last night um, at your recommendation, and I quite enjoyed <laughs> it. Um, I don't know how I haven't watched it in the five years it's been out, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It had some really cool twists and turns that I did not expect, and uh, I really uh, quite enjoyed it as well. So also, uh, we'll echo your recommendation there. It has something that happens, which has created a deep new phobia that I have, and it is not helped by the fact that I spend hours while I work watching home invasion videos and (laughs) dashcam videos. So it probably scared me more than most people, but now I am very paranoid when it comes to locking my doors. (laughs) As you should be. Um... Well, I've been staying spooky lately, mostly with video games uh, the last few weeks. Uh, I, I, I know I've mentioned it previously, but I was very slowly making my way through uh, The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, finally beat it. Very good. Definitely uh, got some... some uh, let's just say, as soon as I, I hit those end credits, I'm like, well, I need to go have a good cry now. Uh, <laughs> definitely both both of the games in that series really... Uh, have uh, some emotional journeys that they bring you on. Uh, And I definitely need to watch the TV series very soon. It's very good. I just finished it. Excellent. Yeah, it's it's been on my list for a long time, but I didn't want to try to deal with juggling playing Last of Us 2 while watching Last of Us 1 and conflating storylines in weird ways and all of that. Um... But yeah, so I beat that and then immediately started uh, the Resident Evil 4 remake, which just came out, and uh, is freaking fantastic. Uh, I love Resident Evil 4, as uh, if, if you go all the way back to our first episode, you'll, you'll hear how uh, influential it was on my journey into just kind of getting into the horror genre in general. And so this uh, remake that really makes it very playable for a modern console uh, is just a freaking delight. And I am both enjoying the the challenge of the game. It's a lot harder than I remember it being in a lot of ways. Uh, But it's just great storytelling, great uh, characters. It's a little campy. It's a little crazy. I love Resident Evil 4. It is such a freaking fantastic game. and now I just need to push myself to beat it in the next few days because Zelda comes out on Friday. So, Yes, I've been playing the new Jedi Survivor, which is phenomenal, but also worried about beating it before Zelda. So here we are. Yep. I mean, you know, you can always play multiple games at once, but I'm already doing that with uh, a few games. So uh, I shouldn't 
I really shouldn't juggle Resident Evil and Fire Emblem and Zelda and uh, Horizon uh, Forbidden West all at the same time, but I probably will. I have a problem, guys. And, it, and actually, all of this is just secretly an intervention for myself. <laughs> it's the whole reason we've done this. Yeah. 95 <laughs> episodes of uh, just to lead to this intervention moment where I acknowledge that I have an unhealthy uh, addiction to playing more than one game at once because I like to just play all the games. That's not a bad It's true. All right. All right, friends. We will be covering Evil Dead Rise, which we just watched. A wild and intense horror film. Lots to say about that. Yeah, so um, go watch it like now so then things don't get spoiled when we talk about it because hearty recommendation from both of us, I think. Yes. It's a crazy one. And but in the meantime, stay spooky, friends. Stay spooky. Need even more Scream Kings? Here's our obligatory shameless social media plug. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Scream Kings Pod. You could also email us at ScreamKingsPodcast at gmail.com. Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You could also support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Scream Kings. Stay spooky.